welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. Um, I know the weather uh, threatened us in the morning, but it's beautiful this afternoon. Um, had a number of people brave it to come to 9 o'clock. We're grateful for that. I'm grateful to have y'all. Every first Sunday, we have um, exploring membership classes. We had it uh, this morning at 10 o'clock. You come and you learn uh, about um, church staff, about the philosophy of the church. You meet other new people and uh, get an opportunity uh, just, to, just to get a friendly vibe from our church. We want to make sure that you get that. So every first Sunday, if you missed it today, we encourage you to come the first Sunday next month. Um, today is Lauren Pinkerman. He's our choir director. Today's his last day. He retired before last year and then has helped us out for more than a year or right at a year and um, is retiring again and I'm betting this is for good. We're going to retire for good. You can travel to the Midwest a good bit, see family. And uh, we have a reception for him directly following this service. So if you'll, um, uh, I might greet you at this door and get, or I'll go back there like I always do. But if you'll curve around and go to the social hall and make sure you go by and see Lauren uh, to say thank you for his service to this service uh, for um, the past year. We continue in our mission and outreach series uh, today um, with uh, Greer Soup Kitchen, Don Lewis is one of your own, and he's going to talk to us about the Greer Soup Kitchen, the significance of that. The point of this theme is to let you know the service agencies that are in our community um, so that you can, um, if it's something that is a talent of yours or skill set of yours, if you've got the time to participate, I certainly encourage you to do that. Um, the Bible study tonight would normally be in the social hall, but we've had a death in our community outside our church, and Woods Mortuary is unable to host them, and so we're going to host that. And so if you come to the Bible study normally at 515 in the social hall, it's going to be up the stairs in the Family Life Center and down the hall in the um, Adults Unlimited. Is that, is that right? I'm almost certain that's right. But if you go to the top of the stairs and go down, it'll be on your left. You'll see them, um, Bob and Bobby McQuaid. Um, and that's just this one particular time because of the service. We also will be hosting that funeral tomorrow at 4 p.m. Um, here in the sanctuary to give them uh, a larger space in order to have the service. Um, we have a Relay for Life update. Relay for Life was our uh, mission topic two weeks ago. And if you see in your bulletin, you have a form to turn in a donation and a request for a luminary, which is the uh, candles on the walk. It's a beautiful opportunity to participate in that walk. Um, and in order to be prepared for the May 13th event, we need to go ahead and do that. You can also turn in uh, uh, cans of food, which will be the weight for the luminary in the short term, but will then be donated to people who need cans of food. So if you'd like to do that, make sure you do that. We did the photo directory pictures um, probably six weeks ago now, um, but you still have the opportunity to be in the directory. Adam Wycliffe does a number of our technological things, and he will snap your picture directly following the service to help us get as many pictures as possible in the directory, which is entirely significant for me to put faces with names and uh, learn as many names as possible. I believe that's everything. Um, yeah, so um, let's begin our worship service.
Please stand as you're able and join us in our first hymn. We'll sing verses 1 through 5. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Please be seated. As I mentioned before, we've had all kinds of topics from Relay for Life to um, alcohol awareness and recovery to um, building homes, and today we'll talk about um, feeding the hungry. And in fact, we're, uh, this is going to build into next week as well. Don Lewis is our speaker, and he's going to talk about the Greer Soup Kitchen. So a 30-something-year-old guy is living in Victor Mill area. Looks out his back door. He sees a man eating out of his trash can. A 60-something-year-old guy is sitting in these pews here and is inspired to make a difference in Greer with the thought, nobody should be hungry in a city as successful as ours. So over 24 years ago, those two guys got together and with a group of others, they led the opening of the Greer Soup Kitchen. I know that most of you have filed taxes in the last couple of months, and you probably know what your family income is. And I want you to think about this. The Greer Soup Kitchen serves 140 plates a day. And it does that on a family income of $115,000. Is that not miraculous? Can you imagine feeding a family of over 100 on an income of $115,000? And how does that happen? It happens because there are 500 volunteers who touch the Greer Soup Kitchen and Daily Bread Ministries in some way a year. It happens because of dozens of businesses, individuals, churches, and civic organizations who work together collaboratively to make sure nobody in Greer should be digging in a garbage can to eat. If you're looking for a place to volunteer or you're looking for a place to give, this place is clean and safe and effective and it's the only place I know, the only ministry I know that tithes. It's an amazing thing, this place. Daily Bread Ministries, Greer Soup Kitchen. So how does it fit into this tapestry of agencies that Joe's been talking about for a while and will be talking about for a while? And I'll give you the, the, the explanation I've always understood. Daily Bread Ministries was organized to provide one hot meal per day, 365 days a year, no questions asked. Anybody comes in, stranger, whoever, come in, have a meal. That's what Daily Bread Ministries does through the Greer Soup Kitchen. Greer Community Ministries sounds similar. It's primarily Meals on Wheels. Greer Relief sounds similar. It's primarily a walk-in agency that helps people with a variety of things if they just come in and ask for guidance and help. This is how these agencies work together in Greer to form a safety net, a tapestry. And I will tell you that this place, Memorial, is one of the originators of the Greer Soup Kitchen. It's been a long-held dream that we do as much as we can face-to-face -face with people, which we're able to do at the Greer Soup Kitchen. And we see at the Greer Soup Kitchen families who come in to eat 
with children who don't have any food on the weekends. They get fed at school during the school system programs, but they come home with nothing, and they come into our soup kitchen to eat on the weekends, and some of those that we see don't have any place to stay. They're living in a van. We've long dreamed that we could do something about that, and coming soon to a pulpit near you is a word from Bob McQuaid about what we're doing next to realize a dream at Daily Bread Ministries to go further than just provide a hot meal. So I praise God for what this place has done to help feed the people of Greer so nobody's eating out of a garbage can, and I'm thankful that I can have a chance to have this time to talk about something that I'm really passionate about. Thank you. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Psalm, chapter 100, verses 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, in the storms throughout the evening, we see the overwhelming, untamed power of your creation. In the sickness, both short-term and long-term, of our loved ones, dear friends, and family, we see the fragility of your creation. Keep us ever mindful, Lord, that the constant amongst the powerful and the fragile is your presence and how much your presence is magnified with our presence in your name help us as we open these texts as we sing these verses as we gather at this table together as one family to understand how critical you thought it was to include us before we thought of even being included and how critical it is for us to reach out to others in your name that they may know your love. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. I'd also ask that you pass the attendance register to the end of your pew. 
if you're a guest today, we're so grateful to have you. If you'd like to leave any form of communication, uh, we will contact you with the form that you give us. Thank you.
Scripture reading today comes from Matthew 25, and actually starting with verse 31. I backed it up after I submitted it. And I understand some of our Bibles have different page numbers, so it's right in the neighborhood of page 1542 in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along. And I'll read different sections of it, so if you'd like to keep your Bible open, you can read along with me. The scripture today is taken from the um, sign of the Greer Soup Kitchen, and it makes a lot of sense. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. So there are places that we picture God. And of course when we hear uh, throne imagery imagery and the clouds and the angels who are present there, it's really beyond our imagination. We have no idea what that will be like. When we look around at our own earth, things that we have seen, there's plenty of places where when we see this thing we think, wow, God's power is amazing. About one year ago today, I traveled to Westcliff, Colorado with a group of ministry friends, the same ones. Whenever I leave this place, these are the same ones that I'm always with. And we went out to a cabin in the uh, just base level of Westcliff, Colorado is 7,867 feet. Much much less if we started to climb any of the mountains uh, while we were there. Just, um, I've seen mountains my entire life, the majority of them on highway, on Interstate 26 and 40, and they've been beautiful my entire life. I've made that road, that trip a thousand times. Seeing the Rocky Mountains is different. It's amazing out there. I've also been to the Dead Sea in the Judean Desert, elevation minus 14,000, the lowest point on earth. And to travel down to that point, you travel about like this. And it doesn't feel like when you're coming off of 25 or any of these places up here where you kind of weave. I mean, you are going straight down in the desert, down to the Dead Sea. And even though it's stark and it's low and there's not as much around you, you still think, my goodness, God created this as well. And these places can be truly inspiring to us. And they're places we think, God is no question present here. But what's great about this text is it puts a phrase amongst that creation. And that phrase is son of man. He's the son of man. And whenever any of the gospel writers used this phrase, it was a code word, code phrase to say, God was amongst us and was a human being. You know, when somebody tells you to do something, doesn't it mean something that they know what it means to do that thing? Whenever uh, we asked, when we were juniors in college, and we asked the freshmen to run up a hill or to jump in the pluff mud on the Ashley River and then do the obstacle course backwards, they were always a little bit more willing to do it when we were doing it with them. When we were ahead of them, showing them the way, and were just as muddy. If we were sitting in a lawn chair, a lawn chair with a drink saying, hey, good, do the obstacle course, and when you come back, we'll do something else. A whole lot less respect. 
The Son of Man means that Jesus knew what it meant to be tired. He knew what it meant to have a headache. He knew what it meant to be supremely discouraged. He knew what it meant to be scared. And so usually when you hear this phrase, it's God amongst very, very broken people. But in this text, it's talking about this version of God being in heaven. The Son of Man sitting on a throne, which was not His thing in the Gospels. One of my favorite commentators, commentators on the Gospels is David Lose. And about this text he said, God didn't come to reign over humanity at Athens or Rome or any of the other major cities where one would expect God to arrive. But rather God came to identify with us by being born in lowly Bethlehem in the form of a vulnerable infant. And being born in that place, you know, you hear all the time that um, uh, we watch a show, our family looks for shows all the time that we can all watch together. And we watch that Shark Tank show where people pitch ideas for businesses and the four people decide whether it can be a vital business or not. And one of those people that decides whether it can be a vital business, it says he was born here and he worked his whole life and he got here and he's now a quadruple billionaire, whatever. I mean, that's great. That's a good story. But Jesus was born here and then spent the majority of his life here on purpose. And this is what he was doing. Verse 35 says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. So before I was talking about the places we picture God, but that paragraph truly captures where God pictures us. Where do I want you to be? Visiting and loving these people that need it. Humans can be prone to seek significant places with significant people. That's how they figure they're doing something that means something. We want to matter. And humans can be prone to think, well, the way to matter is to be in big-time places that matter with big-time people that matter. In fact, this is a time when uh, ministers are the worst at that. This is the time when United Methodist ministers throughout our state are um, finding out where they're going, what church they're moving to, if they are moving. And uh, it really doesn't seem like a year ago that I was thinking about coming here. And when I was thinking about coming here, I was on, my mind was turning about 45, 6,000 RPMs a minute about what I was going to do and how I was going to do it and what place I was going to be. And of course, still had to finish my job the last six weeks where I was. So ask me how many times I drove up Highway 29 and turned right on Main Street and went by the church and then went back home to Greenville. <laughs> The answer is how many days between the day that I found out and the day that I arrived. That's the nature of my obsessive personality and proximity to your next appointment. If I'd been four hours away from where I was moving, you know, once every three days, five days, seven days, something like that. But I was able to come up 29 100 times and think, what will this place be? What will we do? 
So the way churches do it is they determine how significant is the person that is coming. This is the negative version. And the way the ministers do is how significant is the place that I'm going. And of course, when we gather together and we say, now tell me where you're going again. And he says, well, I'm going to um, XX. And they go, hmm. And some ministers are like, oh man, good for you. And some are like, really? Yeah. Okay. As if each place in our conference doesn't have a significant thing to do and say to the community. There's certainly different sizes. There's certainly different ages. There's certainly different structures. But they all have critical things to do and to say. But we can take our eye off the ball when we start thinking about significance. And we start having a certain thing in mind. The place God pictures us is serving those in desperately escalating needs. Understand, you see there in the paragraph how it got worse every time? I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was sick, I was in prison. Verse 37 says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you doing that? When did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You're doing it in my name for me. But see this, it seems like a positive story. It's an unpleasant surprise. You know there's people that always do a good job and you say, you did a really good job. What do they say? I don't know. I could have improved this. I could have done that better. They never think that whatever it is they were doing was the best. You know there's people that don't typically do a great job. They'll typically say, this is why I was bad and this is why those other dumb people should have done something. When they hear... That Jesus is comparing himself. He's putting himself in those people's places that they have either helped or ignored. It's frightening in both scenarios to the people. I was at um, Buncombe Street for maybe a year as the associate when our new bishop was elected. And I was present when he was elected as the um, teller of our delegation. And then like four weeks after he was elected, he came and visited Buncombe Street. And the nature of the Buncombe Street uh, uh, chancel is the associate sits over there almost outside that door. You can hardly see, as the associate, you hardly see anything that's going on out here. And the choir member, a choir director, came across the chancel to me with a note, which there's no good reason for that. Like, something's got to be bad. And she said, they, I read the note, and it said, um, minister wants to know if this is the bishop who's just recently been elected. Whom I saw elected, but who I'm frighteningly bad at remembering. I mean, I'm, I got faces like 87%. I, look, I went like this. And then I wrote on the sheet, 87% sure. And she put that back over to him and he went. <laughs> and that, that's me in a nutshell, pretty much right there. Um, it's when somebody surprises you and you think, oh man, 
Someone comes and rings a doorbell and you're in your pajamas and you're forced to make one of two decisions in a real hurry. It's frightening. It is. And what he's saying is, I'm watching what you're doing entirely and what you're doing is in my name for me. And all of a sudden, ooh. But should they be surprised? No. No, because all along the way, Jesus is telling them these exact things. And as I mentioned, doing the push-ups and doing the obstacle course, he's not just saying, y'all go over there and do something. I've got to um, return some calls. He is doing it. It should not be a surprise unless you're distracted. Unless you're one of those people, the disciples, as Jesus is saying, we're going to Jerusalem and this is what's going to happen and no one's going to like it and I'm going to be tried. And while he's back there, while he's in front of them saying that, they're back there going, which one of us do you think is the greatest? Well, I think I'm the greatest at this and I think this skill is the greatest among all the skills. Well, I think I'm the most humble and I think humility is the greatest, so maybe I'm the greatest. Whatever it is, they're losing their focus. We should never be surprised. And that's why we're going to emphasize it all the time. Very simple. Feeding people, clothing people, helping people that are sick, visiting them and showing them that they matter. As if they were Jesus Himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please take out your hymnals and turn to page 12 in your hymnal. A service and word and table two. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Repentance is such a crucial part of Christian worship, understanding that we fall short. And only in truly acknowledging it corporately do we recognize that fact. Joyful obedience is such a unique, amazing phrase. And it only happens when we trust each other and when we share with each other. The other critical part of any worship service is forgiveness. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. If you'll turn to one another just seated and say, Peace be with you as a sign of this grace. you'll turn now with me to page 13 for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. 
It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I want to invite our servers forward. As they come, I'll tell you, in the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward are welcome to do so. You're by no means uh, required to come forward, but you're certainly welcome. The way we serve is that you'll come by the outside of your aisle, guided by our um, ushers. And the uh, ushers will bring you to this point. And if you'll kneel here, if you're unable to kneel, to stand. If you're unable to come, you can remain seated and we'll come right to you. Um, we'll serve you by giving you a piece of bread, which you can eat then. And then we'll give you a cup, in which you can drink. Um, we have gluten-free elements, and they're marked on our corners here. So as you come to your place, go buy that um, gluten-free element and um, take it. Uh, first group that we'll invite is the choir.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for inviting us to your table. We're thankful for uniting us as one family. Help us, Lord, not to keep our family this one size around this one table, but to offer your love around every table that we have this week. In your name, amen. Please stand as you're able and join us in our last hymn, number 154. All hail the power of Jesus' name.
people always say, Joe, we're so grateful for the work you did in whatever field it was. They have no idea how much Katie does in the background to help me do anything that I do. I'm assuming the same thing applies with good Lauren here and Pat. And so, Pat, we're grateful for your service to our church free of charge for the last year. We're grateful for your organization of that choir. And we just want to pray with you, pray for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Lauren and Pat. We thank you not only for this year of service, but for every year of service that they have given to the life of the church. I cannot imagine how many hymns and anthems uh, Lauren has helped uh, the choir, the congregation of the, of the churches that he has served uh, sing proudly and boldly in your name. Bless him in his journey from this place. Bless him in his uh, walk from the chancel to the uh, congregation. And bless them both as they travel to see their families as they so richly deserve. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, do that. That's fine. <laughs>